Uh, we are going to do just a, kind of a one-off message today on uh, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 29. And uh, this text is one of many texts where Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And you will often see this phrase in scripture, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And in the book of Matthew, you see Jesus saying kingdom of heaven. Mark often talks about the kingdom of God. They're actually the same thing. It's just uh, Matthew and, and Mark and Luke, they record it in different ways. I mean, we know that you know, sometimes the words we read of Jesus aren't exactly what he said because each gospel kind of interprets them in different ways. But it's the same, the same thing. Jesus is saying the same thing when he says the kingdom of heaven is like or the kingdom of God is like. And so he is, you, you read all these parables in the Bible where it says the kingdom of heaven is like or the kingdom of God is like and then Jesus will tell a story. Often a story relating to something that the folks could understand like He's talking about farmers and seed a lot of time, or he's talking about masters and slaves because that was the world they knew. If Jesus showed up today and he said the kingdom of God is like, he would probably say the kingdom of God is like, you know that movie you saw and that scene, the kingdom of God is like, or the kingdom of God is like this meme that's going around, or you know the kingdom of God is like you, know, you at work with your employee and employee. So Jesus uses uh, stories from his day to describe what the kingdom of God is like. And uh, the kingdom of God is basically wherever, you know, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is seen. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, because that is the fruit of the kingdom. It is wherever God's love is seen. Whether we are giving that love or God is giving that love, that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not just something in the future, but it's also now. I mean, Jesus says the kingdom of God is near and the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is actually in you because when you live out your faith in loving others, um, that's the kingdom of God. And so Jesus tells all these stories about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And, uh, and so in Matthew 25, he, he says this, the kingdom of heaven it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Uh, different translations will have different things. Some will say, you know, uh, five talents and two talents and one talent. Some will say five bags of silver and two bags of silver and one bag of silver. The original word is just talent which was a weight, about, you know, about 75 pounds or 35 kgs of some sort of thing, whether it was gold or silver or whatever. The, the, the original word is talent. It's where we actually get our word talent. Like if you're talented at something, you have this, this thing within you, this weight of a gift that you can give. And, uh, and so this guy gives five bags of gold, two bags of gold, one bag of gold. At least that's how it's translated in this text, which if you translated it in today's money was a lot of money. Imagine if your boss just walked up to you one day and said, you know, here's $13 million. And then to, you know, the secretary, he says, you know, here's $5 million. And to another person at work, here's $2.5 million. I'm going away to Hawaii for a while. I mean, that's a lot of money. Uh, especially when Jesus is talking about the context of his day where it was masters and slaves. I mean, slaves didn't usually receive that kind of money, like never. Uh, I mean, they were the lowest of the low. But in the story Jesus creates, this master gives all kinds of money to his servants, and then he heads off on a journey. And, uh, and we see that, you know, 
kind of this idea of talent, again, it's where we get our word talent, is that God is kind of a picture of the master in the story, if you will. He gives us talents, abilities, um, different gifts that we have. And most scholars and theologians interpreting this text say that these talents represent those things that God has given us, whether it's money or resources or talents or intelligence or abilities or whatever that is. And the point is that, that every single person in the story received a talent from God. Some more than others, but everyone received. And it's just a reminder that every one of you are gifted. There's not one person in this room who has not been gifted in some way by God that all of you have some sort of talent. Now, I wish it was $13 million of gold, but I don't have that, but uh, it's other things. Uh, God hands out these, these talents, and, and you could look at them in many different ways. You could look at it in terms of biblical spiritual gifts. That's a lot of different gifts that God gives out according to Scripture, like the gifts of encouragement, giving leadership, or a teacher, or you know, working of miracles, or tongues, or healing, and those kinds of gifts. Uh, we could look at talents in terms of like uh, sort of talents that we have, like singing, or dancing, or memorizing stuff, or public speaking, or you know, wine tasting, I guess, or food, or fashion, or whatever that is. God hands out these, these kind of things that we're good at, that we're talented at. And all of you are talented in certain ways. That all of you will have a spiritual gift, but there's also something that, that you're kind of talented at. And, and it may be kind of a weird thing or a, you know, maybe something that's, 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 that's more well-known, but you are talented. Uh, we can look in terms of skill, that God has given all of you skill. It could be skills in communication or teamwork or adaptability or problem solving, or maybe it's creativity. We could look at this as Mark Vidal does in his book, uh, all the different types of intelligence, that you've been gifted with a type of intelligence, that you might be very intelligent with interpersonal issues or existential issues or musical issues or naturalistic issues or interpersonal issues. I mean, that there you are gifted by God. That is the point of this text, that all of you are gifted. You have skill, you have intelligence, you have value to give to this, this world. Biblically speaking, we, we have verses around this, like 1 Corinthians 12. It says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. And this goes for all of you, that there is something that God has given you that you're to use to bless the community, to bless this, this area, this world that we're living in. Well, 1 Peter 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And there's like various gifts and skills and abilities and talents. But, but uh, Peter has says you're, you're actually administrating God's gr grace when you use your gift. When you use your skill or your intelligence or your hobbies or your spiritual gift and you're, you're helping other people that it's like God is pouring in this grace through the gifts he has given you. And when you bless other people with it, you are extending God's grace. And sometimes people ask, you know, I don't know what God wants me to do in this world. He, he wants you to extend His grace through using your gifts. Whether that be resources or talents or skills or intelligence, whatever that might be to build His kingdom. Ephesians 2.10 puts it this way. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus 
so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. And there's a sense that God is creation is a part of us in our DNA. And again, there's gifts and talents and abilities that God has put in us so that we can do these good things and be a part of building the kingdom. As, as, as the prayer in Matthew 6 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we do that in various ways. We pray for God's kingdom, for heaven to come to earth, but we also live out God's heaven coming to earth by administering God's grace through using our gifts and our skills and our talents and ability to bless this world. Now in our text, uh, we saw that these servants <laughs> didn't, didn't really probably earn this 13 million or uh, all those bags of gold that God gave them anyways. And sometimes we can look at our own talents and our own abilities and go like, I don't know if I'm, God gave me those gifts. I mean, I paid to go to school. I mean, I, I got my master's degree with my own money and, and, and I work hard and I've, I've learned and I studied. I don't know about this being a gift of God. This is something I did. But there's a sense that even those things that you've worked at and, and went to school for, that are they, they're underneath that all is still this idea of a gift from God. As James 1 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Or Deuteronomy 8 says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. That underneath all these gifts and resources we have, there's, there's this DNA of the Spirit of God because Acts 17 says, he gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For in him we live and move and have our being. That in the end, we have to just thank God for the gifts and abilities and we work with them and we grow them and we learn and we spend money to go to school and we, we go out there and, and spread them. But there's the Holy Spirit behind them. That in the end, we, we glorify God for these gifts that, that we have. Now in our text, it says, again, that he gave five bags of gold to one, to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. That not all of us have the same ability, but all of us are gifted. Uh, you know, there are some folks in this world who are like five bag ability, and there's others who are like two bag ability, and then there's the one bag ability folks. And, and, and all of them are gifted. All of them have received talents and resources and skills and intelligence, but they're not all at the same ability. And we know that. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, I like, uh, you know, snowmobiling and outdoor sports and hiking and motorbiking and, and mountain biking. But I tell you, there are people on their mountain bike who are a million times better than me. They're like the five bag, you know, mountain bikers out there. You know, maybe a two bag or a one bag, you know. Uh, but, but I enjoy it. And, you know, I use that to connect with people. And, and there's, a, there's a gift in that. And what happens sometimes is, is that we're like, I don't think I'm gifted. And really what you're saying is I'm just a two-bagger instead of a five-bagger. And sometimes we, we spend so much time in comparison that, that we miss the gifts we have because we don't realize that, that maybe we're not a five-bagger, but we're actually a two-bagger or a one-bagger and don't appreciate what we actually have. You know, 2 Corinthians 10 says we do, not, uh, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and they compare themselves with one another, they do not show good sense. 
And it's not good to spend too much time in comparison because it can be really, really discouraging. You know, the five baggers of this world, they're, they're rare. They're like the Olympians. They're the, you know, the people maybe who own big companies or the people who have big organizations or big ministries or doing these huge things that, that seem amazing to us. But, you know, most of us are probably two baggers or one baggers. But we're still gifted. And we still have been touched with intelligent and skills and abilities that God is saying, this is my grace and I want you to use it to bless my kingdom. And the reality is, you know, sometimes we have a hard time relating to those people who are five baggers. You know, most people are like two or one, and we need normal people using their kind of normal gifts and skills and making mistakes in that because, you know, it's helpful. I like it when I hang around people who are just kind of normal and, you know, can make mistakes because maybe not the, the most amazing person at what they do. But, but God needs you, even if you feel that you have the ability of, of one bag rather than, than five. And God hands it out, as he says in this text, each according to our ability. First Corinthians 12 says, God distributes them, each one just as he determines. And so the question is not how much do I have, but what am I doing with what I have? You know, a lot of times we spend our time thinking about lack. I don't have, so I'm not going to do. Rather than thinking about what do I have and how can I use this to bless this world? What do I have, even if it's just one bag, because God wants me to take that one bag and just extend grace to this world, even if it's small and it doesn't seem that important. And, um, you know, as the Bible says, it's sometimes it's those weak things that are actually the most important. You know, we are, we are overly fascinated by people who are successful in this world. You know, if you're not the best and the most amazing, it's almost like you're useless. <laughs> I mean, if you don't have the best career and the most amazing career, and if you're just an average Joe, it almost seems in our mind that we were kind of a write-off. And, but God is so happy with even the small things, even the little things. I mean, don't think in terms of the ways of this world. Think in terms of the ways of God, that even the, the widow who gave two mites, Jesus looked at that and said, that is the most impressive thing ever. You know, we might be impressed with the Olympians and, you know, the people on TV and the people who own big corporations or, you know, the people who have, you know, 20,000 people in their megachurch or whatever. But, you know, when you're faithful as a one-bagger, God sometimes is just as pleased and maybe even more pleased when you are faithful with the little. So Matthew 25, it says, The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And so the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. I mean, it's 13 million into 26 million dollars. I mean... He did well with his money and his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge. He must have been like really rich if he thinks 13 million was a few things, but uh, you know, Elon Musk or something like that. He's maybe going to go buy Twitter. I don't know. Uh, You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That that this servant took his five bags and he, he put them to work and he gains five more and his master says, come enjoy my happiness. You know, when you use the gifts that God has given you, you know, studies have shown that actually it makes you happy. 
Uh, they've done lots of studies that it seems like the most joyous people in this world are people who tend to be givers and, and serve others and bless others. And, and whether you volunteer and you bless others or maybe you're even paid to bless others, but when you are blessing others, it makes you happy. A Journal of Health and Science a Social Behavior Study set out to see if volunteering improved six things and they found it improved happiness, life satisfaction, self-esteem, sense of control over your life, physical health, and depressive symptoms. The study found it improved them all because this is how we're wired. God has made us to be people that are constantly be receiving grace and giving grace and receiving grace and giving grace and it keeps life fresh and exciting and beautiful and it makes us happy when grace is flowing through us. But if we're just receiving grace and we just kind of let it sit, you know, there's a sense that it kind of rots, if you will. <laughs> Studies have shown it just makes us happy when we're building the kingdom. You know, Jesus said it this way. The disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. There is a, a supernatural nourishment that we receive when we see those gifts and talents and abilities and we, and we put them to work and we begin using them and, uh, and we bless other people, that there is something that is incredibly nourishing about that. And so the man with two bags, story goes on, of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. He says the same thing to the two-bagger as the five-bagger. And so if you're just a two-bagger, I mean, God says the same thing to those people who seem so impressive to you and seem so amazing at their skill or their intelligence or their abilities or the way they serve or the volunteer or the way they do their business or the way they learn in school. We might be like, those people are amazing. I'm just, I'm just not that good. But when you're faithful, God is just as joyful as the five-bagger and two-bagger. I mean, he's just as happy. He says the exact same thing to both of them. I mean, you just got to be awesome at your level. That's just the point of this. Whether you're, you think you're a five or a two or a one, again, it's not about how much do I have. Is, it, is am I doing something for God with what I have? Am I running my, my business in a way that is kingdom-like and blessing other people? Am I volunteering in a way that is blessing other people? Am I using the gifts and the abilities I have to, to build this kingdom, to, to bring love to this world and peace to this world and, and the word of Jesus to this world? And, 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 and I mean, be awesome at whatever level you are. And then we get to the last guy. And then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered. See, well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. And so, you know, the five-bagger, he takes his money, and whatever he does with it, he gets five more. And the two-bagger does whatever with his money, he gets two more. And the last guy with one bag, he takes his and he buries it in the ground. And we can do the exact 
same thing with our gifts, talents, abilities, whatever those areas are, that we can take them and bury them in the ground. And one of the reasons we do that sometimes is fear. This is exactly what this guy said. He says to his master, I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. I was afraid to, to kind of take that and, and go out there with it in the world. I, so I just wanted to keep it safe and small because I don't want to make a mistake. And I don't want to, so I'm just going to hide it. We do that sometimes because we're afraid. You know, sometimes for young people, it's because they're afraid of what their parents are going to say. Because their parents are like, you need to be an engineer. And they're like, I really want to be a musician and artist. That's where I feel talented and skilled, but they feel all this pressure maybe from their parents to go this way. And so they reject or put aside their, their gifts and abilities and talents in order to, to make their parents happy because they were afraid of them or afraid of their family. Or maybe you're afraid that you're not going to be able to make it in this world because, you know, prices are going up. And so I got to reject my gifts and abilities to go get a job that makes a lot of money. And so I, instead of trying to figure out how you can work those things, I mean, or we're afraid to, you know, step out with my gifts because what if I make a mistake? You know, what if I screw up? What if I come up and teach and my zipper's down or something like mine was this morning, but I caught it before I came up here. You know, those things kind of things. You're like, you're, you know, what if I say something stupid? Uh, and what if people laugh at me? I mean, and so I'm, I'm just going to keep it small and safe and we go and bury it in the ground. But the thing is, the world needs you. I mean, there comes a point in your life as often as you get older where you realize that, you know what? The world actually needs me. The world needs my gifts and my talents and abilities, and I can't just keep burying them in the ground. And if I spent all my life trying to do something that I'm not gifted and skilled and talented about, I'm not only makes me miserable, but the world is missing out on, on my giftedness. And, and so we, sometimes we've got we to gotta push away fear and move into the direction of where we're gifted. Our greatest success is hidden beneath our greatest fear. It's true for a lot of us. Our greatest success is often hidden beneath our greatest fear. I'm not talking about like your fear of snakes. Uh, because if you jump behind a snake, that might not improve things. Or a grizzly bear, you might get eaten. We're talking about kingdom things. I mean, th those areas of gifted where you're afraid and we keep, you know, pushing back. But sometimes the greatest success is when you just say, you know what, I'm going to start stepping out. I feel maybe I'm just a half bagger, but hey, I'm going to step out. And I'm just going to begin doing things because... There's something when the grace of God begins to flow through, flow through your gifts that something changes. The kingdom is built and there's a happiness that, that begins to work inside of you. And this takes a lot of courage. And courage is not the absence of fear. It is stepping out when you are afraid. You know, sometimes I say, you know, I'll, I'll do this. There's a big life change maybe or a big direction or I'm going to have to take a financial cut or whatever it might be. Or it's going to take more time over here. But... But maybe I'll step out when I'm just, when, when God gives me, gets rid of all my fear, then I'm going to step out. You know, God doesn't usually get rid of all your fear. What God asks is for courage. His courage is like, it's like stepping out when you're freaked out. If you're not freaked out, it doesn't take any courage. It's that's easy. Uh, we are to step out and, and we need courage and, because we're often afraid. It's one of the most common commands in the entire scripture is do not be afraid. Or do not fear. As Joshua 1.9 says, as they were going to step into the promised land, which took a lot of courage. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. And the studies have shown that whenever you shrink back from fear, because you're afraid of stepping out of that new direction or that, that, that gift that you always wanted, whenever you step back, you, you, your brain is actually wired to make yourself more afraid. 
They talk about adding a brick to the wall. <laughs> because if you, you're about to step forward, you're like, no, no, I can't do it. And your brain's like, oh, I, I can never do this. And you get these neural wirings and it's like your, brick, your wall gets higher and higher and higher and higher. And, and some of you got really high walls when it comes to you and where you actually feel in your heart where God has gifted you. Or in your heart, you just sense, you know, I, this, I think this has always been my destiny. This has always been my calling. This is, this is where I think God is leading me, even for a season. But, but, you know, I got all this financial stuff and bills, and I got all these things going on, and, you know, I might make a mistake, and so this wall is huge. You know, God can bust down those walls. But it's going to take courage to really step out. You know, the other reasons why sometimes we bury our gifts is some, one of the reasons why he did is that we believe a lie about the character of God. And this story, you know, Jesus tells some stories where the, the master or the, you know, the farmer is like God. And there are some stories where it's kind of like the opposite. This is not like God. You know, like the, you know, like the grumpy judge story in Luke 17. In Matthew 25, the servant says, Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man. And I was scared of you. And so I buried it in the ground because, you know, if I, if I put my, my stuff to work and I messed it up and I lost it all, you know, I knew you were going to get me and beat me up and I'm really, really scared of you. And so I'm just going to bury it in the ground and play really, really safe. You know, sometimes people have this view of God as an angry God. And therefore, if you think about, if I, if I step out and use my gifts, what if I do it wrong or I say the wrong thing or I make a mistake and, and God's not going to be happy with me or what if I think this is my gift and I go that way and, and actually God's like, no, that's not your gift and you know, you get in big trouble and, and you're just constantly scared of him. You know, some of you know what this is like if you have like an angry boss. You're afraid. You're always like, is it the right thing to say? Or am I get in trouble for doing this? Or maybe you grew up in a home like that where your parents were, you know, kind of heavy-handed and grumpy and did nasty things to you. You're just so afraid to do anything in case you get in trouble. And people have that view of God. And so they're constantly afraid of using their gifts in case God gets them. <laughs> God is not like the master in the story. God is a good God. He's forgiven you. There is no condemnation. He's not shaming you. And even if you do screw up, he's just like, hey, I'm there for you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to bless you and build you up. And, and we're going to learn from these mistakes. I mean, he is the greatest encouraging. He's your loving papa. You are a son. You are his daughter. And he's just, he's rooting for you. Just like your little kids when they first starting to walk and they stumble and they fall. You're not like, oh, how dare you stumble and fall as you're learning to walk. No, you're like so thrilled, even though they're messing up. And often when we start using our gifts, we're like that. Go back and hear some of my earlier messages. I deleted most of them. Um, <laughs> we, we, make, we make mistakes. And, you know, God is just so thrilled with us. You know, it's, it's like when your, your child is small and, and they're just learning how to do things. And, and maybe your son says, hey, Dad, can I make you a coffee? And they go try to make coffee and they put way too much cream. And they, you know, they, you know, they forget the milk and they bring it back to you. You're not like, oh, how dare you? You're like, oh, that's so cute totally messed up, may not taste good, but that was so cute. And, and this is the view of God that we need to have, that he has given you the freedom to explore. He has given you the freedom to try things. He's given you the freedom to try to step out in a direction. And, and sometimes we don't always hear God right, but even when we're going down the wrong path, God is there. He's there to support us and he's there to steer us and to not be like this person where we're afraid of God. God is your biggest cheerleader. And lastly, um, this idea of comparison. You know, 
spend much time in comparison, it can scare you and chase you right out of trying things. You know, I could spend probably about 15 minutes on YouTube looking at some amazing pastors and big whatever they say, and, you know, I could get scared of the ministry in 10 minutes. And wherever you're gifted, you could probably do the same. If you're in business, you could start looking at the Elon Musks of this world, those people who have made billions, and, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos, and like, I've just got this tiny little business, and, you know, it's just, just kind of a one-bag business, and I'm so discouraged because I don't know what I'm doing. This is a struggle, and, and, and I mean, you could chase your way out of there. You know, whether it's serving in the, the sound booth or with kids or out in this community or teaching or stepping out. And don't let comparison stop you from stepping out. Whatever your gift is, wherever your ability is, the world actually needs it. And again, the world needs five baggers and the world needs two baggers and the world needs one baggers. Because when you're serving in the one bag realm, then, you know, the other one baggers are seen like, this person's, this is, this, this is amazing. I mean, I don't look to the, the hugest people and the most amazing people as, as my examples in this world because they're just, they're just too out there. I like looking at those folks who've kind of been in the trenches and, you know, worked through some of the stuff that I've worked through. And I can relate to those people. And there are the people who need exactly where you're at. And to see you using your gifts and blessing this world, again, whether it's volunteered or paid or however you're using those gifts. But, but, but are you hiding those gifts? Have you stuffed a dream away? Are these things that you're just like, I know that God has given me something here, but I'm just afraid or I've just buried it. Maybe it's time where God is calling that out of you. And for some people, that means you got to, you know, it's com- it starts as a hobby. It starts as a side thing, and then it kind of grows. Or maybe it's always going to stay as a hobby or a side thing. Or maybe you carve out time where you're just going to volunteer somewhere and bless people through your gifts. But, but God is calling you to use those gifts and to bless people. So God, I thank you that you have gifted each one of us. And God, I just pray right now you just affirm some of those gifts in our heart. Whether it's skill, whether it's intelligent, whether it's ability, whether it's in teaching or communication or interpersonal or finances or in the, the ministry world. God, I just right now, just tell us, God, where am I gifted? Where am I talented? Where does the world need me? Just take a moment to listen. God, is there any of those gifts, talents, abilities, skills that you've given us that, that we've been hiding, that we've been afraid to step out in? God, what is my next step? What is my next step? Amen.